Hello and welcome back to Speedrun, the fast talking video game podcast where we talk about pretty much anything weird, retro or otherwise that interests us. As always, I am Jamie and joining me, of course, is Jazzy. I'm back again. Welcome back again. And of course, since we uh, usually record these uh, back to back, joining us again this week is Neil RMC. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me again. Yes, it's been a very uh, long 20 minutes since we last chatted. I'm glad you explained, because otherwise think it would, people would think I only have one shirt. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we're audio only. It's okay. I mean, or people would be I like, mean, if wow, is that your favorite video, hoodie I... or something? Jeez. I mean, if, if we want, we could put this out as a special thing on second YouTube channel. <laughs> but that's, you know, if folks really want it. Or, you know, if the patrons want it. But regardless, today, Neil, we're talking about something that, once again, I think that you are, of all the guests we've had, uh, uniquely qualified to talk about. And that is the art of retro game restoration. Because I know on your channel, you've restored everything from game consoles to uh, computers from all around the world. To even building new machines that are made to uh, replicate the experience of uh, retro computers. Yeah, um, mostly on the hardware side uh, as, as opposed to the game side. But um, that's also an interesting aspect that I'm trying to read up on is, you know, as big box games, for example, get more battered and broken, there are ways to repair them that I'm, I'm trying to learn. Um, but, but art is certainly a good word for all of these techniques. Yeah, there really is an art to it. I, I don't claim to be a grandmaster, but I'm trying to learn. Hey, true on that. I mean, because, and honestly, like, if, if y'all listening haven't seen his videos, like, the, the amount... What are you doing? <laughs> who even are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> who even are you? Why are you his channel. Is it just the Reggie made thing? If you aren't watching his, re his retro gaming videos and his restoration videos, what's wrong with you? All right. all right, well, that's, that's all the enough time, time we have. Got to get back to playing more Animal I Crossing. I get back New to League. playing. Online and uh, Jazz, you can finish if you'd like. We 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 were on the same train of thought. Oh no, I was going to say. All right, that's all the time we have. I have to get back to watching RMC on my Nintendo YouTube. <laughs> I was going to say the 3DS YouTube app is down. Uh, F in the chat, y'all. But F. Um, you know, so I wanted to give a brief, uh, a, yeah, I can't speak, a brief overview of basically your process and some of the different techniques as much as we can in 15 minutes. And if uh, we can't get it all, and then it's an excuse to have you back on the show sometime. Sure, sure. Because this has been lovely. But um, Truly. Yeah, so starting the timer, I guess first we got to talk about is what would you say is the number one issue you find when you get an old machine in? Is it uh, yellowing? Is it bad capacitors? Or is it something else entirely you have to worry about? The, well, you've just mentioned two, the two very common ones. I mean, you can split the problem really down into the aesthetics and, and the electronics. You know, those are the two categories. Um, aesthetically, yes, so many of our consoles yellow. Uh, we, we've all got them in our collection that have yellowed. I've got over here probably the worst example that I've got. And um, it also means it's a brilliant opportunity to do some experimentation because it's only PlayStation 1, which is not uncommon. So I could do sort of half and half with different techniques to see how they work best. Um, mm -hmm. Let me, I need to open it so you can really get the full effect. 
So you can see the oh, original no. color. For, for, sorry, I know this is an audio podcast. So this is basically gold. It's, it's yellowed so much, it's like a bronzy gold. And then as soon as you open the disc tray on the PlayStation on the top, um, you can see that original gray color. And there's a massive difference between the colors. So um, this was donated. I don't exactly know how it was kept, whether it was kept in a window and subjected to sunlight or a very warm conditions or what caused it. But this is a great opportunity to do something like half peroxide to try and retrobrite it, maybe half just put it in the sun. Um, there's this light bright technique that people use. Um, but that's quite a problem here in the UK sun, because as soon as you want to go out and do some retro writing the heavens open and it and it rains so it, it's quite difficult but yeah so yellowing is a big big problem and uh there are a lot of opinions really as to whether you should retro bright things or whether you should keep the uh, the patina and keep it original i don't know where you sit on the fence um both of you uh, are you retro brighters or patina lovers <laughs> so i prefer to retro bright uh, the only method i've ever tried is uh the, the one i uh, was popularized by uh, the 8-bit guy where basically you just, you know, make a peroxide mixture in a big tub and you cover it with plastic and you put it out. Which, the issue is, of course, living in beautiful, sunny Vancouver Island, we have the, the same problem. It's, it's very beautiful, but it's rarely actually that sunny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. can't really go wrong with that technique um, because uh, I often use cream peroxide just because it's very cheap to get hold of. And, um, I ha you know, liquid peroxide, I have to source it on Amazon. I think it's about £20 a tub. You need a couple of them to, to do some micros. Um, so, but you will get much more even coverage with the liquid. It really sort of swirls around and you won't get patchy bits. So it, it is a good technique. Um, and I probably learned it from the 8-bit guy as well originally. So he, he's doing great things. How about you, Jazzy? Retrobrite, yay or nay? I am actually firmly on the RetroBright bandwagon because it brings the console back to its original state, which I feel is nice for restoration. Uh, when it comes to other things like guitars and amps, I'm absolutely off the bandwagon on restorations because I like those as like dirty and road-worn as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. You don't really want your Sony PlayStation to look like it's done a tour of North America. But a, a guitar, no. yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but there are certain things that you do want to leave on there. If someone scratched their name into it, if there's an old warranty sticker, things like that. That is part of the patina that you like to try and keep if possible. So there's the aesthetics. Um, and then when it comes to the electronics, yes, as you mentioned, capacitors are a massive thing. Anywhere where there's heat inside the system, the capacitors are likely to have got hot and, and dried up. There are certain periods where you have what's called the capacitor plague, where just really bad quality capacitors were put out there. There are stories out there about capacitor manufacturers um, in different eras uh, managing to spy and get hold of other manufacturers' recipes for their capacitor juice. But through sort of... Um, uh, networks they got to know that this spying was happening so they leaked incorrect recipes and things like that so bad capacitors were created by competing companies and as a result we've got all of these systems now which are just leaking all over the place um for example the amiga 600 and 1200 and cd32 that sort of era those have got awful surface mount capacitors excuse me sorry just had to clear my throat no, um, you're all good 
things like the uh, Pioneer Laser Active, you know, this is not regional. This this affects everywhere, um, which I, I recapped once or hundreds of capacitors in that thing. And every single one of them is likely to leak if it hasn't already leaked. So capacitors are a huge thing. And when you do the capacitors, you'll often get comments just saying, oh, why do you always do the capacitors, you know, um, even if they're not leaking? Because there is a mindset with some people that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you can look at electronics devices that are 60 or, you know, 70 years old that are still soldering on old radios and things like that. But um, I'm, I'm more of a fan of preventative maintenance. Get it done before it breaks. Um, mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. and then the other huge thing, the really common thing I come across is, is batteries. So you have these backup batteries in computers, um, usually for, well, they're used if you want to save a file and you want to keep the date and time in your computer. So the battery has to keep the date and time while the computer switched off. And more often than not, those batteries have now leaked. Um, real bad ones are the Amiga 500 Plus because they had a battery on board, whereas the original 500 didn't. And they've every time I get a 500 plus, they've leaked. And the Acorn Archimedes range of computers, which are wonderful machines. Uh, they have the ARM processor in th that we all have in our phones and our tablets now, real big part of um, computing history, the Archimedes machines. Uh, every single one that I've ever had, I've had about four come into the cave now, and they've all had batteries that have leaked to the point where it's destroyed the traces, it's destroyed the hard drive controllers, the video chips, oh, it's no. just green mm. ooze everywhere. Oh. So uh, batteries are horrible, horrible things, yeah. Cut them out. Even if you don't know how to solder, get some snips and cut them out. And, and it's funny as well because, you know, talking about the capacitors and, you know, the batteries and such. This, these are things, you know, that we cannot stress enough. This is not just a regional thing. Like, uh, I, I know the most infamous one is in North America. If you find a Sega Game Gear, uh, half the time it won't work because the capacitors have leaked. Uh, unless it's one of the later ones, which I, I think, I forget who did the re release of it in, like, 98 over here. But... You know, if it's an original model, most like half the time the capacitors have leaked. And if it hasn't, if you pick one up and it's like, oh, yeah, but the screen's a little weird or the sound's a little off. They're about yeah, the, the audio is a very common one on the Game Gear. You, yeah, yeah. It's well worth recapping your Game Gears. So going into that, would, uh, you mentioned the laser active, which I remember you also did a video on. And that <laughs> looked... I mean, goodness, like, as always, the shots are beautiful and stuff, but the, the actual process looked painful. Yeah. Um, it's funny. They're all surface mount, mount caps, pretty much all surface mount caps in the laser active, uh, which are actually easier. When you're a beginner, you tend to look at through holes and think, well, I understand, you know, you heat it up, you pull it out the hole, you put a new one in. But actually, you're more likely to pull pads off and cause damage with the through hole capacitors if you're not doing it right once you get the hang of the surface mount capacitors a little bit of flux paste a little bit of hot air patience is the main key to everything whether it's retro brighting or electronics make sure you've allowed yourself the time not to rush put your headphones on and some relaxing music and um, just take your time over it and those caps will come off quite quickly uh, you run into problems where, where there have been leaks because the corrosion of the leak, if it gets onto the pad, sometimes the pad will come off with, with it. And um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a cat and mouse game. It's a very difficult 
thing to do um, when, when the leaks have started happening. But there's, even if you rip the pad off, you know, if you can't do it, you can usually find someone who can help you in the community um, because that whatever whatever your favorite console is or computer is that's that's where you've got to go and you will very very quickly get an idea from any forum for any computer if you need to check your caps um because you know once a machine gets a reputation it's all people talk about on the forums when you ask a question that's the first answer you'll get have you checked the caps are they leaking so yeah Mm. And what would be fair to say as well is that if you have a machine that does fall into that category, it's easier to put, to replace them now and prevent it now than to wait for there to be a leak? Yeah, the, as I said, there's two schools of thought on this, but my school of thought is preventative maintenance. So, yeah, do it, especially if the machine has a reputation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So going on to a different slant, because we aren't just talking about restoration itself, but the art of it. Um. When you're filming, you use a variety of angles for that, I notice, and the filmmaker in me finds this uh, incredibly pleasing to look at. Um, what's, so what are your tips for being able to film while, say, soldering or while using a, an odd link screwdriver to get something out or making sure you can both get the shot and have the shot look good? but also still get the work done uh, in a comfortable manner. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. If you're trying to film yourself doing any of these repairs, it will take 30, 40 times longer than if you weren't filming yourself. You know, there's no quick way of doing this, which is why patience is key. And because I'm now YouTubing full time, I do have the beauty of time on my side. I mean, I'm, I'm always running out of time for some reason, but I do have a lot more time on my hands to, to take the time to get the shot. When it comes to cinematography uh, and all the equipment, I didn't have the first idea when I started YouTubing. I just happened to have a camera. It was a Sony NEX5 from uh, 2012. I must have bought it uh, around about then. I noticed that it did 1080p video, but it didn't have, um, I couldn't do manual focus. Uh, I couldn't change the frame rate. I just couldn't do anything with it. I could just point and shoot basically. And that is what I built the channel on um, up until about two years ago, I was using that camera. Um, and, and then I switched more recently. I bought a Lumix GH5 and it was a huge shock, huge shock to me because Suddenly I had to understand how to manually operate a camera, whether it's the ISO or, or um, calibrating the color or manually focusing everything because the autofocus on the Lumix is famously awful if you try and leave it on autofocus. So suddenly I had to learn a huge, huge amount. And um, it's taken some adjusting. There's a period when I first got that camera where there's not so many angles in my videos because I'm just desperately trying to use the camera whereas the old one the beauty of it was <clears throat> i was so limited in what i could do with it i just had to creatively work around its limitations um but i think i've got the hang of it now so there should be a lot more angles back again <laughs> which will hopefully please you and it's all in 4k now which is nice so um yeah so the the approach to all of my uh, you call it cinematography <laughs> i call it amateur filmmaking um is just i'm just figuring it out i'm just figuring it out and um 
I usually put some music on to get me in the right mindset, which is great because I've got the whole cave lined with speakers now here. Um, so put the tunes on and uh, feel the feel the micros, feel the 8-bit micro, let it flow through you and just shoot what feels right. Yeah. I nice. guess. Nice. I guess. That's how it works. And actually going from that, like I'm looking at the actual cave set up here and it is gorgeous how you have it set up. Absolutely Thank you. gorgeous. Uh, but you, but the cave is less of a cave now. You're actually, it's actually in a proper location that you're, if I remember right, you're making kind of that almost uh, like a lounge like area within such now. Yes, I'm incredibly lucky. Um, well, unlucky at first because the original cave, the landlord um, put in planning permission to change it into houses. So I had to quickly find a new place. And I was approached by the owners of this building. It's a 17th century mill. Uh, I'm on the top floor of it. I've got a mill pond outside. There's ducks, there's heron, there's otters. It's an amazing part of the world. And I've got this huge space up here. It's so huge. I've got a curtain hung in front of me to try and dampen the echo. Because if I don't have that up, you, you it sound like I'm in a church or a cathedral here. And what I'm doing is I'm turning it into a museum so that people can come and visit. So all of the machines I've restored are all laid out on workbenches. Um, we've got the music. We've got nice lighting. I've got an area full of uh, tabletop gaming devices, game and watch devices, a library full of magazines and things like that. So we're going to have open days uh, a few days a month. Probably I'm aiming from September to hopefully do that. Um, uh, Covid permitting, we'll have to see what the restrictions are like at the time. So uh, the whole creation of this space is almost like a restoration in itself because it was just a big empty room. And the audience seemed to really like it as much as they like seeing me restore a machine. They like seeing me transform this space into um, hopefully a, a bit of a retro destination and, and somewhere they might want to make a pilgrimage to. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and just like my filmmaking, my interior design is completely made up. <laughs> I just go with what I think feels right. But the building lends itself to that so well because it's semi-industrial, um, obviously being an old mill. Um, the contrast between the old industrial beams and the 80s and the 90s technology and the rough walls. All you've got to do is throw a bit of RGB lighting at one of these walls and it looks spectacular. You can see behind me. So um, it's a great space. Yeah. And you both have to come and visit if you're ever in the UK. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking about a field trip. <laughs> you know, me too. And I, actually, I was thinking... I was thinking about it as well because this, like, it's such, like, really, it's beautiful work you y'all been doing there on it. Uh, and we just hit time, but I have to ask: uh, any inspiration from uh, the makerspace movement? Yeah, I have um, spoken. To, there is a local makerspace in Swindon um, who I've been to to see. Oh, I did before COVID, and I'm hoping that um, we can get something like that together here. Um, obviously, I, I, it would be great to find a sponsor to source equipment for soldering irons and, and things like that be, so that we can have people come here. And, and then, yeah, I'd love to have Makerspace Days here. Um, there must be lots of people in the town locally. Stroud, if anyone from Stroud is listening and you want, uh, want to start a Makerspace, get in touch because I've got the space. Um, we just need to get the equipment together and we can do that. Mm -hmm. Just got to drop that email for them. Yeah, I'm waiting. Or, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or on the on topic. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter at RMC Retro. Yeah. Yeah. 
Or just, yeah, or awesome. just come down the road and look for the big mill. I'm in there. <laughs> Jazz, we are at time, but I did have, oh, I'm sorry. I did have a perfect uh, segue question that I've been like holding on to since okay. the start. Um, any soldering iron recommendations? And also, what is your favorite tip? to use on projects oh um i have a weller iron i can't remember the model of it but i do really like the weller brand um mm. just because I, I started off with the cheaper one and that was great but when you get onto the when you spend a little bit more on there you don't ever have that um period where it feels like you've run out of heat it's always checking the temperature and keeping the temperature right it's got you know it's done proper and it makes a huge difference um and i mm. like a chisel tip personally um, nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, you like that? <laughs> yeah, you're a man of culture, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you're doing, if you're doing drag soldering or whatever, but generally I'll, I'll use a chisel tip, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice. Mm -hmm. And then as for, right, the, as uh, for the number uh, one tip you haven't given so far for anyone working on any retro project, to end off, what would that be? The number one tip for it. Oh, chisel tip. <laughs> you can use it for literally everything. It's so good. I don't think you understand. I don't think y'all listening understand. The tip is chiseled. It's true. It's like a little, like a, like a, you know, the big, like the Magnum Sharpie and it's a chisel tip and you can do like really fine points or really fat boy lines. It's so important. It's so good. It there matters. Go. Number one tip, get yourself a chisel tip. Number two tip is um, look out for local computer groups because they're more and more pop, um, cropping up. The nearest one to me is um, uh, the, there's an Amiga. Oh God, the name of them has completely escaped me now. What are they called? southwest amiga group swag um i found them nice, a year or so ago and they're just a great group of guys um and i'm seeing more and more of these groups crop up people nostalgic for their old micros getting groups together in local halls and go and support them and get involved and you will find people there who can answer every question you've got you'll find people there who will recap your machines for you um it's just fantastic so find a local group and get involved Excellent. And before awesome. I have us, oh, Jazz, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm interrupting you a lot today. <laughs> and I promise. We, I oh, no, not at all. I was just saying, cool. Cool. And, you know, before I have you, you plug where everyone can find you, for those listening from Victoria, because I know a lot of local folks do listen, uh, we have a wonderful group locally here called Vic, uh, Vic 64, which they, they claim to be a Commodore group. But really, I found that if you have questions about pretty much anything, uh, ranging from DOS PCs and back, uh, you'll be able to find some help. I discovered them uh, when uh, I got sent a 1084S monitor from Germany and the headphone jack didn't work on it. So, which, uh, uh, it, it actually wasn't uh, even a capacitor issue. It ends up there just been like, some, and shipping like a small crack on the board right by it. Sure, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, similar experience yeah. at the Amiga group. People would turn up with Atari Jaguars and all sorts. It's just, <laughs> there are like-minded people there, and that's all that matters. Yes. So on that note, because community is everything, and speaking of community, where can people find your community online? Search for RMC Retro on YouTube, on all of the social media channels, on Patreon. Um, any video that I've put out there, look for my Discord link because we've got a very active Discord server, lots of people chatting about lots of machines, and we'd love to see you there. 
Excellent. And of course, Speedrun is made possible in part by a few different things. We have Podbean itself, if you'd like to start a podcast of your own, get some nice hosting. Then go to podbean.com slash speedrun or use the code speedrun when you go to get your nice paid hosting. We'd highly recommend it. And also, i got to mention Ubisoft Canada again. We are giving out a copy of Immortals Phoenix Rising via Twitter. Go ahead and enter. Uh, it might be over by whenever this is going out. Well, who knows? We're moving things around. <laughs> and after it's recording true. this, we're going to be giving away some codes uh, on the show itself. It's really good. And even if uh, the Twitter giveaway is passed, thank you again to Ubisoft Canada for making this all possible. Speedrun is also part of stuff we play, and if you would like to support what we do, and I forgot to mention last episode, and get podcast episodes one week early, patreon.com slash stuff we play. The stuff we play, Patreon. And finally, Jazz, you were part of Cleveland Audio Mixology. I got it right this time. There you go. Plug what you do. I edit podcasts. I edit bands. I make you sound bad. Or I make you <laughs> take you from the <laughs> <laughs> like in the, but like, but like in the eighty cents. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. Like like kind of. I Michael take Jackson your bad recordings and make you sound good. Make you sound like Michael Jackson. As in it's good. Yeah, it makes you sound like Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real it's favorite. a real thriller of an experience. <laughs> oh, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's my favorite Jackson album, actually. <laughs> I, yes, I will make you sound like Michael Jackson. Fun fact, this is the Shure SN7B, which is the mic used to record Thriller and Bad. Fun facts for you. And you can get more audio fun facts by uh, emailing clevelandaudiomixology.com. Anywho, uh, also, Neil, we need your Patreon again. Yes. Patreon.com forward slash RMC Retro. There it is. The big, the big drive at the moment on the Patreon is if we can get enough patrons, we're going to open a secret arcade in the space behind me. So that's the target, to open an arcade. Okay. Well. I'm here for that. I'm on board for that. <laughs> I will... Last but not uh, least, thank you to Castlemania Games for giving me GameCube toys. I love you. I was going <laughs> to say, I was like, am I allowed to say this in Podbean? I'm like, ah, Jazzy, you edit. You use your description. I was like... I was like, become a proud simp, make the arcade happen. <laughs> you are allowed to say that. Yeah. And also, we stand simps because simps respect creators. <laughs> simps respect creators. So on that note, I have been Jamie. I have been Jazzy. I've been Neil. And this has been Speedrun. Thank you very much for listening. Stay classy and we'll see you next time. Cheerio. Mm, see ya. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Cheerio. I, I, I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. Jazzy, is that a guarantee? Will you make me sound like Michael Jackson? I will make you sound bad. Who's bad? <laughs> that was scarily good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Must be the mic. <laughs> yeah, it is the mic. <laughs> I'm going to leave all that in. <laughs> <laughs>